Welcome to the Manager Track, the leadership podcast where we help ambitious managers across the ranks become confident and competent leaders people love to work for. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw. Have you ever been in a situation where you're in a meeting with other people and someone says something or does something or makes an argument that you feel like, what? Where is this coming from? Why would we want to do this? How does this make sense? Those are usually the moments when we realize someone else's map of the reality is very different to our map of reality. What we value and what we think works best is not what other people value and think works best. And there's two ways to go about it. We can either look at it and say, I'm right, my way is better, which oftentimes, if not all the times, leads us into a situation where we're either getting frustrated or we have conflict that comes up or we're just not collaborating well with the other person because we're trying to be right, which in a situation like this comes at the cost of being effective. The other way we can go about it is to look at it and think, hmm, this is interesting. Clearly, this other person has a different perspective values something else than I do, looks at it differently than I do, and I'm curious, what is this about and how can I work with this person the best, whereas we get the best outcome for the organization, the team, the other person, and myself. Now, if that second solution sounds better, then I bet you have some interest in figuring out how to do this. And this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about understanding other people's perspectives, other people's preferences and styles. And we're using DISC as an example. Now, DISC is a behavioral assessment. It measures four different behavioral styles. They're dominance, referred to as D style, influence, referred to as I style, steadiness, referred to as the S style, and compliance, not surprisingly, referred to as the C style. Now, DISC has a long history and it was originally based um, on the work done by psychologist Dr. Marston, but since has evolved and is currently one of the most popular and commonly used personality type assessments in organizations, nonprofit, for-profit, and government institutions. So there's clearly a lot of value and companies and teams see the benefits of doing a DISC assessment. Now, for you in a leadership role, there's not only the benefit of you working better with other people and peers and with your boss, but also for you to recognize what are the strengths of people on your team so that when new assignments come in or when you notice a conflict or an issue, that maybe this is because of their preference, which you can trace back to the DISC style once you pay attention and try to figure out what their DISC style likely is. Now we're going to talk about all of that. In this episode, I really want to break it down to what the different styles are. So we're going to talk about D, I, S, and C, what characteristics each style has, how they show up, what they prefer, and how you can communicate with those people best so that you are more effective as a leader. But before we dive into this, I want to talk about why personality type assessments are useful and why it's important for you to flex your style and adjust your approach to be more effective. Because truthfully, you could also just say, Ramona, no, thank you. This is me. This is my authentic style. And I'm going to show up the way I am, regardless of the situation or whom I'm with. 
Now, I want to challenge you on this. There has been a lot of conversation around the authentic style and being you, bringing your full self to work. All that is great. I'm fully on board with all of it. But that doesn't mean that when you speak with other people, you can't flex your style so that you communicate with other people better. That's not what this means. Because here's the thing. We all have different motives. And to use an analogy, think about an anchor. So there's a big heavy anchor that's at the ground of the sea. That anchor is sort of your motive, like what you care about in this world. The buoy that's on top of the surface, that is what's visible to other people. Those are your behaviors. Now, when the chain that connects the anchor to the buoy is in complete alignment, that is when you show up as your authentic self, you're living your strength, you're in the flow, and things feel right. But sometimes there may be a little bit of a storm or the waves, and so your buoy moves and you have to adapt to the circumstances around you. For example, a team that I worked with had someone on the team who was really good at managing and organizing the team. This person was coordinating schedules, calendars, meetings, presentations. They were setting up all the standard operating procedures, the SOPs. This person was an operational rock star. Now, there have been times when this person had to step into other roles because someone was absent on the team or because they had an influx of client calls. And so they asked if this particular person could help with picking up the phone call, for example. And that did not go well because this person hated when she was interrupted in organizing and structuring things to to pick up a phone call. It took away from her productivity, her sense of happiness and fulfillment. It got her disrupted throughout the day and she did not like it. So she felt more and more resentful and more and more in conflict and didn't like her job as much anymore as she used to. Once we figured that out through our sessions and identified the problem, it's very easy to say, look, instead of giving you calls, we're going to give you other part of the work that you can take on if you have to step in and cover for someone else. But picking up the phone call when they're unexpected, unless they're scheduled meetings that she could anticipate, those are things that don't work well for her. So if you're in a leadership role and you know this type of information about every single one of your team, It's going to make it so much easier to develop and build and foster a high-performing team that feels engaged, is motivated, and likes what they're doing because more often than not, their anchor is and their buoy are connected with that chain and the chain is in pretty much a straight line. Now, keep that visual in mind, the anchor and the buoy. Because all of us have our anchor on a different part of the ocean floor, right? And the buoys therefore swim somewhere else on the surface. When we have to communicate with someone who's further away from us, we have to stretch and try to get closer to their actions and behaviors with our actions and behaviors to reach them better. So we have to stretch a little bit. But that way, when we're acting and behaving in a way that's closer to how they act and behave, because that's what they like and that's what they're used to, it's going to make it easy for us to communicate. Like the two buoys are now just closer together and not as far apart. What that means though is that your chain gets stretched a little bit. Right, So your chain is no longer in a straight line, which means it may feel a little bit uncomfortable. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean you don't have it in you. It just means it's not your natural dominant style. 
but you are adjusting in order to get closer to the other boy and therefore have a more effective communication with that other person. And this helps us uncover all this. Because if we don't take personality type assessments and we don't invest in this team development type of work in different formats, right? If we don't take a DISC assessment, for example, or another assessment that I love is the core strength assessment that talks a lot about the different styles, communication styles and conflict styles. And when we don't do this work and invest in our team that way, we have to figure these things out by trial and error. We might do something and then the other person gets upset or annoyed and you're like, why does this person get annoyed? I don't get it. And then you start noticing, huh, when I do this, they start being more receptive to it. So maybe I should do more of that. But the process can take months, years, if not even decades. Because I know people who have been in these patterns for a long time without realizing where they're coming from. But when we do this work and we understand other people's preferences and styles, we're going to be way quicker and our learning curve just jumps up. So we gain this awareness, we have an understanding of what's going on, we can accept and appreciate the differences and that's what makes us more effective. So with that intro into why DISC in the first place and what it can do to you, I want to now talk about the four types. And I want to start with the dominant style. Now, people who are high in the D, they often prioritize results, actions, they like challenges, they are direct, bold, strong-willed at times, they like fast-paced, they like to-do lists and getting stuff done, they are energized by challenging the status quo, being in charge, making decisions fast, and then When they notice substandard outcomes or when they're being micromanaged, it really drains them. Now, I want you to pause for a second as I just gave you these descriptions and think about who you know would fall into that category of a D. Is this possibly you or is this someone that you work with? And then remember that if you have something to write this on, write down their name and then the letter D afterwards to help you remember their style. Now, the way to communicate with people like this is to be direct and to go right to the point, right? They want to make decisions fast. They want to be direct. So stretch yourself, flex your style, be direct as well. Talk about effectiveness, suggest specific actions. Talk about objectives, goals, results, and things that matter to the D style. These are a few suggestions to help you be more effective when you collaborate with someone who's in a D style. Now, I'm personally a high D. And when someone comes to me and talks about goals, actions, to-dos, I'm all ears. And so you work with me the way that we just talked about. Yes, I'm going to be in and a lot more likely to be persuaded, a lot more likely to want to communicate. I feel that we're on the same track. I feel excited and motivated. Now let's move on to the I style. So the I style stands for influence. People with a high I style, they like enthusiasm. They also like action, but they like collaboration. They're outgoing, enthusiastic, charming, persuasive. They're energized by fast-paced environments, uh, collaboration. They like being in the spotlight too. And what drains someone who's high influencer 
is pessimism, negativity. They don't like working alone. So virtual, virtual setups and remote work can be really challenging for someone who's high I. So my experience when I do trainings on DISC with sales teams, I notice that a lot of salespeople, for example, are high D and high I. So they have the two, that there's either the D a little higher or the I a little higher, but they have a high allocation to one of these two, if not both um, styles. And I guess with explaining some of these characteristics, you can see how that could fit in, right? So now, again, think of someone that you know who could be a high I, right? Someone who is enthusiastic, likes action, is outgoing and persuasive, fast-paced. But really, really the difference between the D and the I is that the I is a lot more interested in collaboration and getting things done with other people. Think of that person, write down the letter I next to them. And then a few tips on how to work best with someone who's a high I. Leave time for relating and socializing. People with a high I like to be informal. They like it to be casual. So talk about people, talk about their goals, make it casual, don't provide excessive detail. And when you try to persuade someone, use ideas and use testimonials of what's possible. Highlight opportunities to collaborate and get things done with other or through other people. So I'm going to move on to the steadiness style. This is the S style. S like support, stability. They still like collaboration, but they prefer stability and support more more than the I. They're even-tempered, they're usually patient, humble, they love to help. They like it harmonious, they like fairness, and they like working in small groups. What they don't like is to have sudden unexpected change or to be around forceful and confrontational people. Now, in a time like this, where we are dealing with sudden and unexpected changes, or have so in the last few months, as someone who's a high S can struggle a little bit more, and they may need more support from you as a leader. So collaborate with them, provide as much stability and security that, that you can, if you feel someone on your team is high in steadiness. So thinking of that, think about a person that you know, write down their name and write down the letter S next to them. The best way to communicate with someone who's a high S is to be still informal, but but thorough, right? Present your case in a soft, non-threatening way. They don't like the confrontation. Show interest in them as people and then provide solid, tangible, practical evidence. So when you can provide frameworks, stability, security in, what, in the, your idea or in the work that you do, they will appreciate this. They appreciate structure. They appreciate a process. They appreciate knowing what's been decided and what hasn't been decided. They like transparency and clarity. Okay, I'm going to move on to C style. So C is about conscientiousness. People in the high C style, they like accuracy, stability, but they also like challenge. By the way, a famous example of high C style is Bill Gates, right? So this is his dominant style. His character, their characteristics are analytical, deliberate, systematic, precise. They like things done the proper way. They like accuracy and they like being right. This is not about doing it fast or doing it together. This is all about doing it right. 
So they don't like sudden changes that seem to be coming out of the blue or without deliberate thinking or planning. They don't like uh, emotionally charged situations and they don't liking su- like surprises or not having enough time to analyze and process information. I used to have a boss once who had a decent allocation to see. And whenever I presented information in a meeting that she didn't have time to analyze, it would not be effective. I knew that it would stall. We wouldn't get to where I wanted to go. I really had to send her things up front to brief her, to keep her up to date, to give her time to process on her own before having a conversation, a dialogue. Once I knew this and I applied it, it was way easier and I was way more effective in communicating and working with this person. So think about a person in your environment who has a high C Write their name down and the letter C next to them. I already shared a couple of ways on how I worked with my boss at the time who was a high C, which inc- included giving them time to process information. In addition to that, you want to use time to be accurate. Really do this upfront work to double check your figures, to provide and, pr- and present details. So support their logical, methodical approach List pros and cons, make it objective or present step-by-step timetables. If you're planning a project and you can do a Gantt chart with all the deadlines and the the workflow and responsibilities, they're going to love you for this. So avoiding surprises, giving time to process information and being diligent is a great way to communicate with them. Now, if you have someone on your team who's a high C and who wants to do things right, this is important to know because they're great with getting things done that that need to be accurate, right? Where you need to be detail-oriented, analytical. It's not the best person to get it done fast or to collaborate and brainstorm a lot. So knowing this will help you allocate the right tasks and projects and responsibilities to the people on your team. So these are the four styles and I hope you have an idea now what style could be yours and what might be the styles of the people on your team. Now, as I said in the beginning, I do have a special gift for you. Because you listened all the way to the end, I want to gift you with a free DISC assessment. Simply send an email to contact at RamonaShaw.com, subject line DISC assessment, and I'll get you a link to complete your personal DISC assessment so you get your individualized results and a report along with it. If you have any questions about DISC or are curious to learn more how you can bring DISC to your team or your organization, send me an email as well, contact at RamonaShaw.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. I can share with you a very affordable and effective way to bring DISC to your organization that's going to cost you way less than what you might assume. And it will be a lot more effective in the long term because it's going to go beyond the assessment and into daily prompts and coaching tips for everyone on your team. If that's of interest to you, again, contact at RamonaShaw.com. And that's it for today. I'll talk to you next week on another episode of the Manager Track Podcast. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. 
Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.